Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. Approximately 9 billion all Borg. How? Time travel. They went back and assimilated Earth, changed history. I must follow them back. Repair whatever damage they've done. But this time, they must travel to the past. April 4th, 2063. To save our future. You're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. They invade our space and we fall back. They assimilate entire worlds, and we'll fall back. Not again. The line must be drawn here. It looks like the control deck's 26 up to 11. Mr. Data and I are returning to the ship. Don't let them touch you! Uh. Captain! Data! We must activate the auto-destruct sequence. You want to destroy the ship by the way, you coward. If you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand. Let's rock and roll! Destroy them. Let's watch your future's end. Our shields and our weapons are gone. Resistance is futile. Perhaps today is a good day to die. John, look, blow up the damn ship! No! We are not going to lose the Enterprise. Not to the Borg, not while I'm in command. Star Trek. First contact. All right, guys, we're back once again this week with uh, episode 27, Star Trek First Contact. I'm your host, Jimbo. And I'm and Terrence. Terrence. Yeah, I know. Terrence. Terrence is actually awake for two days this week. <laughs> um, this has been a fan pick for, I don't know, Three months. Yeah. Um, we finally got around. We were trying to hold off until we had one of our Trekkie friends here. 
I like Star Trek. I'm not going to say I'm a Trekkie. Um, I've seen a lot of them, but I haven't seen all of them. Yeah. Um, and I know this was your first experience watching probably almost any of the older stuff, As, right? Yep, for any of the older stuff. Because yeah, you like the sure. newer stuff. So uh, this will be for Patricia McCauley. She is one of our um, first fans out of Australia. She is also the lady um, who you'll hear in an interview that I'm going to put in at the end of this that takes a speaker into work and plays the podcast <laughs> for people at work. So I know Julian and, and some of the other people there. Yeah, we gave she, a shout out to them uh, right, right. We, some episodes back, like right. 10 episodes ago. Like I said, a long time ago. <laughs> but this is actually their episode, you know what I mean? So yeah. I wanted to make sure that um, in our interview, she know, um, you'll hear I let her pick uh, if she had her own um, starship. To name the people that she works with, who she would have, like, as first officer, who oh, would be nice. the doctor. I said, and, and and I said, well, well, is there anybody else? She's like, well, I don't really. I said, well, they could be red shirts. And she's like, there's no red shirts <laughs> on my ship. So, all right, Patricia, I hope we do do you justice, uh, do this uh, movie justice for you. Um, so, hang tight. We're getting ready to start. But first, Terrence. The question. The question. I wasn't going to let you get away with it. <laughs> now, I know you're not much of a Trekkie, and I know you haven't really seen a lot. But which character from Star Trek would you like to be? Oh, which character would I like to be? Um, Not just from this. I mean, if there's something yeah, from yeah. stuff, because a lot of our listeners will know more than yeah. you will, obviously. Um, actually, so of all the characters, I really liked uh, um, Riker. Number one? Uh, yeah, the number one. Uh, uh, Did you know that mate. he directed this? That I didn't know. Yeah. He's like one of the only uh, Star Trek actors to direct a movie. Oh, wow. Um, there's okay. like, I think there's one other one that's done it. So, um, what you should see right there in your. Yeah, actually, Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Riker, so. I don't know any of the. Uh, besides for like Patrick Stewart and. Um, uh, yeah, that's the only like name that I know. Like for sure. <laughs> that, that, no, that's uh, that's yeah, exactly. it. Because of other stuff that they've done. Exactly. Most of this other cast is known for this movie. I mean, you'll know like Data. Uh, Brett Spiner, he was in Independence Day. Remember? Oh, yeah, in the, that's right. Yeah, in Area Fifty One. So, um, so who would you pick? You said you would pick yeah, uh, yeah. number one. Number one. I don't know. I just thought it would always be cool to be Data. You know, just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those of you that don't know, if you never, if you're not, you say you're not even a sci-fi fan. But this movie, um, I told Terrence, hey, there's two episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation that you need to watch first, and then it ties into this movie. So. Um, do you remember what they were? Was it the Best of Both Worlds Part 1 and 2? It was like season... Yeah, it was... Um, was it Best of Both Worlds? Yeah, it was Best of Both Worlds Part 1, which was the end of Season 3. And then it jumped into Season 4 with Part 2. Right. So um, why don't you uh, go ahead and lay the gr- groundwork of what the TV episodes were about before we get into the rest of this. Oh, yeah, sure. So um, that way they have a little bit of background before we dive into this. So movie. I watched them back-to-back, so I really have no separation between the two. I just right. watched it all through. But uh, this, this movie takes but, place yeah. six years after those two. After that event. Right. Uh, and that's when they encountered the Borg for the second time, it seems, because I, I didn't see the first time, but they do reference it a lot. They were like, last time we, contact, or last time we uh, encountered them, we barely made it out alive, um, all this other stuff. So they encountered them again. Um, but before they encounter them, they they know they're coming. So uh, they're like, all right, they're making our way. They're in, um, uh, what is it, uh, Federation like, space? Like the, yeah. So they're in Federation space. So they're like, we have to deal with this. Um, and since they had encountered them, uh, they were obviously the first go-to. And they sent over another uh, commander. Um, 
which I forgot her name, but they sent over another commander who was also gunning for Riker's job. Because <laughs> they were like, well, you, you, Riker should be a captain. Like, why aren't you a captain? Um, so they sent her over because of her uh, study of the Borg and, you know, how to improve defenses and stuff, which they haven't fully developed yet at all. Yeah, uh, even in this movie. Exactly. They even in this, uh, in, in the movie they haven't. It just well, shows how that, complicated that For they those are. that don't know, the Borg is an enemy that adapts to their situation. Like, yep. if you shoot them with a phaser, they adapt to that frequency. So you'd have to change your gun yeah. setting to another frequency, shoot them, then they would adapt to that. So you can't use the same thing twice on them. Exactly. And um, they, they're also like this, you know, hive mind collective thought uh, species that is uh, consist of a bunch of different species that they've conquered, uh, which that's why it would make them a difficult enemy, right? Um, so... In the episode, they're trying to figure out how to deal with it. They think they know how to deal with it, and then it fails, like, horribly. Um, it goes bad. It goes bad, and then they get a hold of Picard, and then they turn him to a Borg because they wanted to make him uh, the human face to basically integrate the human race easily. And he was known as Locutus. Locutus. Which means, in Latin, means the spoken. Oh, so, okay. So that's I, found that, I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, so they get a, they get a hold of uh, Picard, and uh, it's basically the true the crew trying to get him back, but also combat and destroy the Borg, or at least do what they can because uh, they're headed straight towards. Um, so how did you feel like at Earth. the? I know at the end is it at the end of episode the season three where he turns. And he's got oh yeah, he's got he's the got stuff the, on it, it like the laser. Eye, you're like laser eye what? And stuff. <laughs> So, yeah, that was crazy. And then uh, I was wondering how they would bring him back because I knew he would eventually come back. But I was like, you know, how are they going to pull this off? Um, and so basically they were able to connect data to the collective mind. Right. And then they were trying to have him send in a – because they get Picard back uh, in his, you know, Borg. They get Locutus, right? Uh, and then so they connect him to data. And they were like, okay, we need to figure out a way to, like, send a simple command through this hive mind and then have them obey that. So uh, they're going through different commands, but he, he can't get through their, you know, uh, their security, basically. And then finally, like, Picard, and that's, that's what makes uh, Picard special in this whole thing, is he's actually able to fight the uh, his Borg self, I guess you could say. Right. Um, and then uh, tell Data... Uh, uh, giving it a simple command which is sleep and then so data's like oh okay so then he goes in and um basically tells them to go into a regenerative state aka putting them all to sleep right. uh and then that's how they stop that particular borg attack right. then the movie takes place six years later and we'll get into uh, that here yep, in a little exactly. bit exactly um now one thing, i'll tell you this quick story before we get into it when i was younger um Blockbuster Video, for those that don't know, uh, it yeah. used to be a store that you could go in and rent VHS tapes, you know what I mean? <laughs> for our younger, uh, younger But in viewers. my local Blockbuster store, um, when this came out, right before this came out, they had a contest where they were selling the movie cards, you know what I mean? The yeah. cards, the packs of cards. And they had a contest that every time you bought, uh, if you bought like a pack of cards or whatever, you got entered into this drawing. Yeah. So knowing myself, I bought all the packs. So at my, <laughs> it was only for my local Blockbuster. Yeah. 
Well, I ended up winning a Locuta statue oh, that nice. was about this tall, and he was in the you know the Borg, and he was in that round thing that he's standing in, yeah. you know, with the the beams or whatever, yeah. the force field, and I, and I won that from Blockbuster back in the day. So That's I was awesome. like, that was pretty cool, but I wanted it. That was the, the key. I wanted yeah. something. So all right, let's uh, jump into this. We've you know wasted a lot of time already, but we we felt it was necessary to um, preface the, it for the two. Make sure you episodes. try and watch those two television episodes before you enjoy this Which movie because you would. The last I mean, you was, season three. You could still yeah. enjoy this movie without seeing those, but That's it true. means so much more to you, especially in Picard's developmental of his character in this oh, movie yeah. and Data's. Exactly. So not only it, it also helps that, especially if you're in my seat where you've never watched any of the older Star Wars stuff, or particular anything in Star Trek, not Star, uh, Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so it basically helps you sort of get an idea of who all these characters are because you know they, right. they you get a glimpse of it all their personalities and everything, and you also get this preface of who the Borg are before you move into the movie. So I. I Thanks to uh, Jimbo here uh, telling me what to watch before watching the movie. It's a great preface. And if anybody's in my seat, definitely check it out in that fashion. All right, Terrence, let's dive into Star Trek Star First, Trek. Contact. First Contact. Let's do it. Yes. Release date, November 22nd, 1996. Budget, $45 million, which is did conversions today. Wow. You're, <laughs> you are being really generous today, aren't you? Uh, so in... Uh, Including inflation and stuff, that's seventy two point eight nine million today. You see how much inflation has just went up over yeah. twenty years, man. It went from forty five million to seventy two point eight nine million. It's crazy. Like, wow, and that's just a, it's a like a twenty year difference almost. You know, that's it. Um, opening weekend USA that was uh, thirty point seven million, and then with inflation to today, that's forty nine point seven six million. Gross USA ninety two million. Uh, that would be 149.04 million. And then finally, cumulative worldwide, 150 million, which is 242.99 million. So it did pretty well. It did decent. Yes, absolutely. It, it did good. But see, the thing about Star Trek is it's worldwide too. It's known worldwide. You know, it's not just a United States thing. It's it's known Throughout the world. Oh, yeah, for sure. Trekkies unite, you know? <laughs> and so. Um, it's actually interesting to see that uh, it did, it definitely had a good overall cycle, but as far as opening weekend, it, it didn't even break even. Right. Um, which is interesting. Uh, now, I don't know if that was only because fan base, only the fan base was watching, um, and then maybe other people weren't. Right. Uh, which would be my guess. Uh, or maybe maybe it was just so packed that people couldn't get in their opening weekend too. Well, I mean, if but you, you got you got to remember too. There's there's probably would you say there's more or less movie theaters today? Not only that, but you can now watch movies at home the same day they come out of theaters too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I mean, like, you look at it, I, I feel like if you look at any other like like big movie release uh, around the same time, early '90s, um, I'm pretty sure you'd see a movie or two double its. Uh, uh, what, what its budget was, because um, that's always the goal when um, you know a movie comes out uh, and they hit opening weekend, especially something big. Is like, okay, can we at least double what we you know we, we spend on this movie, or at least break even and and go a bit over? Right. Um, I'm going to look up the movies that opened um, that weekend. Yeah. And we'll see. Okay, so Star Trek First Contact. Then you had Stand Back, 
Carnosaur 3, Primal Species. I don't think that was much. And you had Fugitive Rain that came out. Um, so let's see what anything the previous week there was. Space Jam. Okay. Was the previous week with hundred Disney's 101 Dalmatians, the live action. Oh, yeah. I remember Jingle that. All the Way. Uh, the Mirror Has Two Faces. Not sure. Alien Nation, The Enemy Within. Apollo 11. Uh, Dallas, JR Returns. Interesting. Um, right. And so, oh, Titanic. Titanic was November oh, 17, okay. 1996. I feel like so that one... That one's probably why... Because that, that, that held a lot of records. Yeah. And then the week after it, um, you had The Crucible. Um, that's about the only thing that's really of any... Relevance. Right. So, oh, <laughs> The Flintstones Christmas at Bedrock came out. So. Oh, all right. <laughs> but it was only 30 minutes, so... All right. A little 30-minute special. So, yeah, um... Didn't do good. Didn't do great in opening weekend. Actually, you know, by standards of box office, it didn't do well at all. Right. Um, but it definitely made up for it with its, you know, total gross. Well, and definitely with the worldwide. And I think with the worldwide, um, I think that's that's now including, you know, like um, you have people that watch this movie when they were little or kids, yeah. and now they're t- teaching their children. You know what I mean? So that's probably DVD sales, rentals. I would say. You know what I mean? Worldwide. Yeah. So, so moving on to the director, Jonathan Frakes, who, as you said before, is William he Riker. plays William Riker. Uh, writing credits, uh, WGA, that's the Writer's Guild of America, um, Gene Roddenberry uh, for the television series Star Trek. He created so, Star Trek. He created so. Star Trek. Um, Rick Berman helped with the story. Um, Brandon Braga, also the story. Ronald D. Moore helped with the story. And then as far as screenplay, uh, Brandon Braga and Ronald D. Moore. Uh, the technical specs. Uh, runtime, it's an hour and 51 minutes, 111 minutes. Uh, sound mix, DTS, Dolby Digital, color movie. Aspect ratio, 2.39 by 1. Uh, camera, Panavision Panaflex Platinum and Panavision C-Series lenses. Uh, laboratory, Deluxe Hollywood, USA. Film length, 3,035 meters, Sweden, and 3,095 meters. Uh, negative format, 35 millimeters, Eastman, uh, EXR 100T, the 5248, and the EXR 500T 5298. Cinemagraphic process, Panavision anamorphic. Printed film format, 35 millimeters. And finally, my fun part, and that is the awards. <laughs> so, Academy Awards, USA 1997, nominated Oscar Best Makeup, Mitchell Westmore. Now, this is the first time I think we've seen Best Makeup uh, for uh, a movie in awards. Which, that, but did we see one for Nightmare on Elm Street? I don't believe so. No. We didn't. Well, I mean, we didn't read all of them either. So, you That's know, true. But I think maybe as um, far I, as... I cut out a lot of the small, small uh, maybe it, Yeah, I was going to say maybe as far for as an like, Academy Award. Yeah, exactly. For an Academy Award. I think we've seen some for wardrobe, but I don't think we've seen Not any for, for makeup. makeup. Right. Um, and that's probably on the Borg aspect. Uh, oh, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so... They were also oh, okay. So uh, best makeup were uh, which Mitchell Westmore, Scott Wheeler, and Jake Garber. The 2020 awards, which is in 2017, so now a couple of years ago. I wish it would have been in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I know, <right>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were nominated for uh, best makeup. 
Then, uh, Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, USA 1997, because of course it would be on this awards. <laughs> Winner, Saturn Award, Best Supporting Actor, Brent Spinner. You know who that was? Uh, do not. That's Data. Okay. Gotcha. I was like, I feel like everybody's like supporting actors. So and I'll like, tell uh, you who they are as you go along. If, if. Okay, gotcha, yeah. Uh, Best Supporting Actress, Alice uh, Kriege. She was the Borg Queen. Okay, gotcha. Uh, best costumes, Deborah uh, Everton. They were nominated for, so they won best costume in the uh, Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, which is awesome. Um, nominee: Saturn Award, best science fiction film, uh, best actor: Patrick Stewart. You know who that was? Oh yeah, of course. No, it's oh. not Charles Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> Jean Luc Picard. Uh, and best director: uh, Jonathan Frakes. Best writer: Brandon Braga. Ronald D. Moore, Best Music, Jerry Goldsmith, Best Makeup, Mitchell Westmore, Scott Wheeler, Is it Mitchell Jake or Michael? Barber. Uh, Michael. I don't know why I keep saying Mitchell. <laughs> um, it's the, uh, you know when you see a word? I was going to say, you're doing pretty you good. Kinda, like, you're doing pretty good. I wasn't going to say anything. I was like, <laughs> no, you're, you're good, doing you're pretty good, good tonight. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, best special effects. It's John Knoll uh, and Industrial Light and Magic, which did uh, the special effects and whatnot, right? Yep, Lucasfilm. <clears throat> Awards Circuit, Community Awards 1996. Uh, they were nominated for ACCA Best Visual Effects. So, yeah, I mean, for a movie in the early 90s, pretty awesome effects, I yeah. think. Yeah, um, uh, I think it did really well. And there were there were definitely plenty of movies that did much And especially... Because um, it, it, it... The way the Borg looked was pretty good. Yeah. But, but, but when they're fighting the giant cube... Especially the opening scene, you know, where you see Picard standing there and that thing, and then it just starts panning out. Yeah. And all those effects of, like, the inside of the cube, you know, it just keeps layering back and back. Oh, and yeah, coming out yeah. Fantastic. I thought that was that was awesome. Um, and it really kind of gave you perspective. And that opening scene where that drill's going into his eye. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, oh. Uh, Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. Hey. 1997. They were nominated for Blockbuster Entertainment Award Favorite Actor Science Fiction, Patrick Stewart. Favorite supporting actor, science fiction, Jonathan Frakes. BMI Film and TV Awards, 1997. They won the BMI Film Music Award, Jerry Goldsmith. So He's added, done a lot of music, too. It was, a, it was a pretty good score. Well, yeah. um, well not only that, but he took, um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later, but like every time Worf would fight, yeah. he would go back and play some of the Klingon music from other movies. Oh, nice. And that, you know, the battle music yeah. or whatever that, when he was fighting. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is awesome. Uh, Hugo Awards, 1997, nominated Hugo, Best Dramatic Presentation, Jonathan Frakes, Director, Brandon Braga, Ronald D. Moore uh, for Story and Screenplay, and Rick Berman for Story. Image Awards, 1997, nominated Image Award, Outstanding Supporting Actress in Motion Picture, uh, Alfre Woodard. You know who that was? No. That was the um, African-American lady that was with Picard. Uh, oh, that's Lily, right. I think Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she... It's funny because um, it took me just a moment to – to because uh, I'm familiar with the actress. I always just forget her name because right. um, I was trying to explain to my wife. I'm like, oh, it has that, that actress that was in this, this, and this. And she's like, what? I'm like, just just look. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like a moron. <laughs> More or less. Um, and she's just amazing at like uh, 
pinpointing actors, even like younger versions of themselves. She's like, and I'll argue, full knowing full well, no, she's always a hundred percent right. <laughs> and uh, I'll be it's, like, oh hey, it's that. I'll sometimes get them mixed up and be like, that that's so and so. She's like, yeah, no, that's the same way, dude. But I'm not gonna admit I'm wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then so I, I'm like, hold on, yeah, just because I'm waiting for that one time I'm right, and, and then, then it gets pull up quiet. IMDb, <laughs> and then I'm starting and to flip through, and, and then, I'm then like, it gets quiet. You yeah, know, and you're like, I'm like, she's like, what? what? Never mind. Yeah, your brother. But she does a really good job in this movie too. She's just an amazing actress. Fantastic. I love seeing her. Movies. Right. Um, uh, where was I? Get right here. Thank you. All right. Uh, OFTA awards. Uh, okay. Online Film and Television Association 1997 winner of the OFTA Film Award Best Sci-Fi Fantasy Horror Picture Rick Berman, Best Sci-Fi Fantasy Horror Actor Patrick Stewart, Best Sci-Fi Fantasy Horror Actress Alex Kriege, Best Makeup and Hairstyling. Uh, Michael Westmore, Scott Wheeler, and Jake Garber. And Leanne... Ooh, there we go. I knew I was going to get one of these. All right, we got one. (laughs) Brittenham, there we go. Uh, Tied to Rick Baker, David Leroy Anderson, Beth Miller, and Matt Rose for The Nutty Professor. Oh, wait. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm just saying... Oh, a tied, okay. They they tied. tied. This lady tied. That's an interesting... uh, There was a couple more movies, too. So that that was for... um, Makeup and hairstyling. Right. And they tied with... The Nutty Professor. There was a couple more I didn't Okay. It's an interesting contrast of movies. To that's an interesting. <laughs> you have Star Trek, and then you have the Nutty Professor that get tied Hercules, in like the Hercules. same category. <laughs> All right, um, they were nominated for the OFTA Film Award uh, Best Actor, uh, Brent Spinner, Best Sci-Fi Actress, Alf, uh, uh, Arfie Wardard, Alfie, 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 uh, Alfie. Al- 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 I feel like I'm, yeah, that's the, that's the name I'll butcher today. Right. <laughs> One of the easier ones. Uh, best production design: Herman F. Zimmerman, production design; uh, Ron Wilkerson, art design; John M. Dwyer, set direction; best sound mixing: Steve uh, Peterson, Tom Perry, Brad Sherman, and then we have best sound effects editing: Cameron Frankley, James Wolver- Wol- Wolvington. <laughs> Best visual effects: John Knoll, Adam Howard, George Murphy, and Scott Rader. Satellite Awards, nineteen ninety-seven, the last one. Nominated: Golden Satellite Award, Best Visual Effects, John Knoll. So there's a lot of awards, awards both won and nominated for. Um, so if they didn't win, they definitely took a bunch of nomination slots. Um, so that's pretty awesome. So here's the synopsis of this movie. The Enterprise and its crew try to stop the half-robot Borg from sabotaging a rocket flight in nine, or I'm sorry, uh, 2063. <laughs> 19, <laughs> 1963. Yeah. And, <laughs> and one thing, uh, we'll get to it. Um, this uh, movie was, um, before we get any further, this was the first uh, movie that was a uh, Star Trek movie that was rated PG-13. Really? By the MPA. Okay. Yep. So I thought I'd go ahead and knock that out of the way while, while we're what here. What what makes it PG thirteen? Um, you're talking 1996. I uh, guess. I mean, like the only thing I can think of is uh, maybe the, um, the alcohol sort of, maybe the, the sexual and, and then the uh, comments from Data uh, that we'll get into. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but um, so we'll go ahead and jump into the cast. Um, 
if you've watched the TV show, you're gonna know most of these. Um, there's a yeah. couple. There's a couple I threw in here that are have cameos that are from other Star Trek uh, uh, TV series that you'll oh, find okay. out. So, so of course Patrick Stewart played uh, Captain Picard. Jonathan Frakes played William Riker. Brent Spiner played Data or Data, whichever one <laughs> floats your boat. Uh, Lavar Burton. From Reading Rainbow, who played Jordy. <laughs> you know, that, that was another thing my wife caught on to. Like, she just heard his voice, and she's like, hey, that's the Reading Rainbow guy. <laughs> uh, Michael Dorn played Worf. Uh, Gates McFadden played Dr. Beverly Crusher. Marina Sirtis played Deanna Troy, and I used to have the biggest crush on her when, when I was younger. Uh, is she the she's um, the counselor okay yeah the one yeah. that she gets drunk with the guy in the yeah. face. I'm not drunk. <laughs> um... Alfre Woodard uh, played Lily. James Cromwell played Zephram Cochran, who um, is the one that is building the. F- he has yeah. to launch this warp drive so he can make first contact with the the aliens that are coming yep. by or whatever. But um, which I cool is later on, you find out that the original um, Zephram Cochran, he was actually in season two, episode nine of the original Star Trek. Oh, okay. Um, and he was played by Glenn Corbett, but he couldn't reprise his role because he died. Um, from lung cancer in January 16, 1993. Oh, yeah. Hard coming back from that. Once again, another actor that's died to cancer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I did find out that there was one person. This is like the only person I found that they wanted to play, and that was Tom Hanks. That, <laughs> that would have been interesting, huh? Right. It's like cast away on a foreign island, right? Would have upped that budget, though. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alice Krieg played the board queen. Michael Horton, uh, he was a security officer. Nell McDonough played Lieutenant Hawk. Uh, Marnie McPhail Iger, Robert Picardo was the holographic doctor. Huh. Uh, you remember the doctor? She uh, yeah, he yeah, is yeah. actually the doctor in Star Trek Voyager. Oh, he's okay. the doctor on the ship. He's That's the funny. hologram doctor on the ship. There's no you know huh. physical doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and he's like nobody ever shuts off my system, you know. <laughs> but he does say I'm a doctor, not a doorstep. You know what I mean? When he, she's like, just just yeah. distract him. Um, that was a shout out back to uh, the doctor from the original Bones because he's just like. Jim, I'm I'm a doctor. I'm not a oh, yeah, yeah, zookeeper. Yeah. You know, he just say some really weird off the wall stuff. And then you had Dwight Schultz who played Lieutenant Barclay. Also uh, making a guest appearance, um, Voyager's Neelix um, as the Major D on the holographic nightclub scene. Um, he oh, was yeah. he was the cook in Star Trek Voyager. Um, there was um, no original cast members from the original Star Trek in this movie. It was the first time ever. That a movie did not have any of the original characters in it, except um, they said that the uh, Enterprise computer was a regular uh, in, in Nurse Chapel. You know what I mean? So she's, okay. she's, she's had the voice for whatever, for however long. Uh, Brandon uh, Braga, who was what one of the producers or directors or whatever, you know, the writer, a, a yeah. writer. Yeah, uh, he makes an appearance in the nightclub scene. Oh, okay. Also, the stunt coordinator Ronnie Rondell Jr. Um, is also seen there. And there was a deleted scene uh, that was filmed, but it was later deleted, that had Avery Brooks, who was uh, Benjamin Sisko from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, um, where he was uh, commenting with Worf. You know what I mean? Because okay, Worf, yeah. Worf was in Deep Space Nine for a okay. while. Uh, but it was deleted. So there is that. So I wouldn't want – it wouldn't be – it wouldn't be us if I didn't give a biography um, on one of the greatest, probably theater actors as well as regular actors. Oh, yeah. Whose work is just, he's so perfect. And that's uh, Patrick Stewart. Always loved loved him and his work. Born July 13th, 1940 
in Meyerfield, Yorkshire, England. And he's aged very well. Very well. <laughs> uh, his nicknames, Old Baldy <laughs> and Beef Stew. <laughs> I was like, where do they get Beef right, Stew from? Where did Beef Stew come from? He left school at the age of 15 to become a junior reporter for a local newspaper. He quit when his editor told him he was spending too much time at the theater and not enough working. Stewart <laughs> spent a year as a furniture salesman, saving cash to attend drama school. He was accepted by Bristol Old Vic Theater School in 1957. He made his professional debut in 1959 in the Repertory Theater in Lincoln. He worked at the Manchester Library Theater and a tour around the world with the Old Vic Company followed in the early 1960s. I gotta add, the fact that he was able to just go to a job and be like, yeah, I'm just going to save up a bit for school and, and then go I'm to school. Go. Right. What a time that was. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, he was awarded Knight Bachelor of the Order of the British Empire in the 2010 Queen's New Year's Honors list for his services to drama. That's awesome. So that'd be Sir Patrick Knight, right? Or Patrick Stewart. Oh, yeah. Uh, during the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation in 1987, he was so convinced that he was going to be fired from the series, that he did not unpack his bags for six weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, wow. I mean, you have a little was faith. He that, uh, was he that unhappy That's with his what, own work, I guess? I don't know. I mean, he, I guess he was just worried. I guess it's something new, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, like, yeah He yeah. didn't really know. Um, in episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation in 1987, when he got up, he had a habit of tugging on the uniform um, where it was creased. Jonathan Frakes jokingly called this that the the Picard maneuver and the name stuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because you see, um, uh, there's a couple scenes where you see uh, uh, Riker do that too. Right, like he'll he'll adjust his his. And his, I think uh, he does that as uniform. a as a, a jab. To yeah, it, you know what I mean. Uh, he's a huge fan of Doctor Who from 1963 and Red Dwarf in 1988. Had the first line of both Star Trek The Next Generation in 1987 and Star Trek Deep Space Nine in 1993, and the last line on the former. Hmm. He is best friends with Ian McKellen. That's awesome. That is really cool. So I guess that whole uh, Magneto versus uh, Xavier. Have you, ever, you ever seen uh, uh, an interview with them? Together, yeah, they are They're hilarious. Amazing together, They're hilarious. They are absolutely hilarious. Uh, he once uh, said the still suit that he wore in the sci-fi epic Dune from 1984 was the most uncomfortable costume he has ever worn. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm curious uh, how the new Dune's going to turn out. Yeah, he's a self-confessed fan, huge fan of Reba McIntyre. <laughs> <laughs> He was considered for the role of Dr. Victor Freeze, uh, Mr. Freeze in Batman and Robin in 1997, which went to Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was considered for the role of Willy Wonka in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in 2005, which went to Johnny Depp. Can you imagine him playing oh, Willy yeah, Wonka? That would, that would have been funny. Oh, man. Uh, I'd like to see him in a more comedic role, you know what I mean? I, I, but, I am curious uh, how he'd be, because he's always in like sort of a, uh, uh, sort of a stoic role. Right, you know I mean? he's always like a... Yeah. Yeah. Um, he w has always lamented the fact that he was never tapped for a role in the Harry Potter movie series. Yeah, and he, he should have, yeah, to be honest. he should have been. <laughs> uh, he was offered the role of Jafar in the Disney uh, comedy Aladdin in 1992, which he had to turn down due to scheduling conflicts with Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, uh, that would have been good, too. That would have been great. And here's some quotes, and I have, like, uh, let's see, four of them or so, five. <laughs> I was brought up in a very poor and very violent household. I spent much of my childhood being afraid. Oh, wow. So, um, 
I didn't look into that. That's what he said. You know what I mean? So I, I mean, I mean, the takeaway is that is you can at least see that as a, a he, that you can bounce to, back. Yeah, absolutely. He turned his life around. I mean, look at him now. Right. So uh, the three things that I am pr- most proud of doing in my life is firstly extras in two thousand five. Secondly, my appearance on The Simpsons in 1989. <laughs> and thirdly, appearing on Sesame Street in 1969. I remember that. No, you weren't even born yet. I don't I'm think saying, you were born for any of this, were you? I had a bunch of uh, uh, Sesame Street, like when I was a DVDs kid. DVDs or whatever? Uh, VHS. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a bunch of VHS tapes of Sesame Street that I just like watch over and over, and that was one of them. It would irritate my father so much because he was a military man and both my brothers did military service and I didn't. But I walked around New York and I hear, hey, Captain, how are you? (laughs) So his father was like, oh. That's great. On whether or not he is a typecast by audiences as Jean-Luc Picard, I think perhaps when I first walk in front of the camera, they'll say, aha, there, ah, yeah, Jean-Luc, we recognize him despite that charming little mustache. I believe that audiences are really smart enough to let go of that pretty quickly, but that's also my job as an actor to persuade them that, you know, Jean-Luc Picard is left behind, and this is someone entirely different. I mean, I'm an actor dedicated to transforming myself and to creating original pieces of work, and I will not accept that my life is going to be forever connected to Jean-Luc Picard and the roles that I play. Uh, On the other hand, I'm absolutely delighted that he's still in my life. Actually, I think my appearance in The Simpsons and an appearance that I did on Sesame Street in praise of the letter B (laughs) were perhaps the two most distinguishing bits of work that I've done in the United States. That's awesome. So, I'm, and you know what's funny? Here in what, two months, he's coming out with another Picard series. You know what I mean? So, so take that, Jean Luc. Yeah, I was like, never mind. You are Jean Luc Picard. Uh, And I found some salaries. This is interesting. So, uh, in Wild Geese 2 from 1985, he was paid. 2,000 pounds. <laughs> All right. Had <laughs> a boy. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation for 1987, he was paid $100,000 per episode. Oh, wow. Okay. Star Trek First Contact for this movie, he made $5 million. Uh, Star Trek The Insurrection, which came in 1998 that we were talking about earlier, $9,500,000. And then Star Trek Nemesis in 2002, $14 million. So wow. they at least paid the man, you know, once... Once he started getting up there. So now let's talk to my favorite stuff, the good stuff. <laughs> uh, but what a fantastic actor. I mean, oh, yeah. He will always be John Luke to me, and he will be. They could not have cast a more perfect Professor X. Oh, yeah. Now he ever. would. Like, it, yeah, he was perfect for that. Perfect. Because, um, I mean, you, you even look at, I mean, the comics, the cartoon, and then you're like, no, nah, it's, it's Patrick Stewart. Like, he fit, he not only. he already fit the look of the role and then he played the role and he nailed it, nailed uh, it. and that was part of what like uh, drove a lot of people in in the early X-Men series was him playing Professor X right so as we talked earlier this is a sequel but it's also a prequel yeah it's got some time traveling in it so you was like well is it a sequel or a prequel it's actually both you know what I mean um, the premise of this movie is that they have to get this um, the Borg has basically um, they they're follow the Borg and they're like hey it's Earth but it's all Borg, you know, they've assimilated oh, yeah, yeah, all yeah. of them. So they're fighting the, the Borg, and the, then they blow up the main ship, but then they kind of, like, pour it off of this, like, like escape shuttle sphere orb or yeah. sphere, and then that starts, like, uh, and then it, it's trying to run away, and then it opens up a, a, like a wormhole, a wormhole or something, and then, um, you know, some science... Jumbo mumbo, and he's like, "We gotta follow them through. We gotta, through. we gotta, we gotta." Stop. Uh, yeah, because they get a glimpse of the the changed future, and then they're like, "It's Earth," and they're like, "Do a reading on Earth," and it's like, "Oh, it's these gases and stuff." 
and uh, what's the population? Like nine million. All day. Or, 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 uh, uh, no, it was like nine billion. billion. Yeah. It was nine billion. All Borg. Right. And they're like, oh, so the reason why we're we did we still have our memories of our timeline more or less is because we're in this temporal time right space and like so it's just like keep following them we gotta undo whatever they're gonna do that was so that, that was so fantastic you know because right? you're thinking if their borg's already assimilated all you know you know exactly. your mind so, like, start scratching you're like where is this gonna go what's great about this scene is like they encapsulated so much information in so little time just to be like future's changed okay we gotta change it alright let's chase them done yeah <laughs> uh yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. Um, the first scene ever shot um, was the Picard nightmare, or the first scene, you know, the Picard nightmare where he shows oh, him yeah. the, the cube or whatever, and then it shows him drilling his eye or whatever. Um, is the last one ever shot? Oh, okay. And I thought it was cool that they start off by that 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 nightmare sequence. You know, he wakes up, he's like, and he's wiping his face or whatever. The next oh, thing you know, yeah. it's like it's like a second nightmare. You know, that thing yep. pops out on his face, and you're like, and oh, he here we go. Wakes up. Yeah. So. Um, but uh, this this uh, that scene, the uh, nightmare was influenced by Total Recall. Total oh, Recall okay. influenced yeah, yeah. it. So, um, the uh, let's see where do we want to go now? Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, well, well, let's hit this real quick. Whoopi Goldberg was not asked to return as Guinan, a character with a long-standing enmity with the Borg, as shown in previously Trek projects. She only learned about this decision through the newspapers. She said, "What can I say?" I wanted to do it because I don't think you could do anything but the Borg with or about the Borg without my character, but apparently you can, so they don't need me, you know. Huh. So, um, and you what, probably wouldn't understand. I, yeah, I saw her, but I, I don't understand her I, character or her connection. Yeah, it's cool seeing her, but I, like, I mean, I've seen her. I can't really remember exactly what she does. Okay, uh, but if I remember right, she can like predict the, or see the future. All I know is like that, that she, uh, uh, her race had previously been uh, assimilated by the Borg and like there's only like a handful of survivors right. and they bounced back and that was her whole thing was like uh, uh, you know have hope even if like worse comes to worse it's very possible to, for the human race to bounce back right and also Jonathan Frakes you know the one that directed this um, he, he said for his inspiration for filming this he viewed Alien from 1979 Aliens from 1986 Close Encounters of the Third Kind from 1977 Blade Runner from 1982 and Jaws from 1975. I can see, I can see a lot of those uh, influences. Yep. In the show itself. Um, the Jordy yeah. um, he he lobbied for his. Uh, if you probably seen it in the TV show, the two episodes, Jordy's visor. Yeah, I noticed. Know, he, he, lobbied, he lobbied for this to be replaced so people could actually see his eyes. And oh. they gave it to him in this movie, okay, um, which was really cool because you remember that one time Cochran was running away. He's like, oh, yeah, and like, then you can see his eyes yeah. do the whole thing. I thought that was really yeah. cool because at first when I started watching the movie, I'm like, where does visor go? <laughs> and yeah. then, but then they start doing the cool thing with the eyes. I'm like, you know what? I like him without his visor. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, another funny scene I thought was, you know, Jordy's down there on the the planet with him, and uh, he's he's and he's talking to him. He's like, yeah, they erect a statue of you, and you know. I went to Zephyrin Cochran High School or whatever. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And then the guy's like, they made a statue on He's like, I got to take a leak. And Jody's like, what? <laughs> there's he's there's like, no he's leak. Like, he's like, everything's Yeah, he's like, everything's leak. Yeah. He's like, there's no leak. And he's like, don't you guys ever pee? <laughs> you know? And Jody's like, hey. Oh, uh, I, I get, get it. it. <laughs> Which was a direct um, thing to Star Trek because toilets were never shown in the series. 
Uh, so that, that was even hilarious because that's why that's he funny. said, don't you ever take a pee because they yeah, never yeah. show the toilet in the series. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, one of the things is Data, when he's talking to the Borg Queen, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she's like, uh, she's asking, you know, well, don't you feel, you know, you know, and he's like, are you talking about sexually, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, he's like, actually, he's like, it was a, a reference to his season one, episode three, um, uh, the Naked Now, um, where he has a moment with Tasha Yar, because he's like, eight years ago, you know, it, oh, I haven't yeah, used yeah. it in eight years. So that was a direct reference back to that episode. I even know some techniques. And I was like, wait, uh, what's yeah, going on? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> And every time um, we talked about Worf, that the music would go. Um, there is a couple of uh, moments in this movie that you that fans of the show will be like, whoa. Like, um, the first one was um, when Riker t- tells Worf what they say, uh, I would probably have to use phasers. Remember to rotate your phasers or whatever. And Riker yeah. leans over to Worf and he's like, "You remember how to use one?" <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, people that know know the series will get that. I've seen a lot of them, but the one that got me is when Picard. It's almost like he was breaking character because um, if you've ever watched the series, he was always cool, cool headed for most of the time. Yeah, and it's like the way you could he could hear the board. You know, what I mean, he he hears them. He, he has nightmares, and he can hear them in his mind. And when he tells Worf and he says you're a coward, yeah, or whatever, and because uh, because he, he's like I don't he's like I don't think crew. we should blow the ship up, ship up, Captain. He's like I'm gonna uh, basically have to put my um, what he say he said I got to put my um, veto on blowing the ship up. I forgot yeah, what he says. Yeah. He's like noted, but we're gonna do it anyway. Yeah. He's like you're a coward, and Worf goes, if you were any other man, I would kill you right now. And yeah. I was like, who? So that's how much respect he had for the captain. And I think Worf knew that deep down what he was going through, you know what I mean? Yeah. But also, uh, something else, as I was saying, and remember when uh, Lily's asking Crusher, the doctor, the lady with the red hair, and she's like, oh, yeah, well, he's made up his mind. We're going to do it. But see, in the TV show, she was more of uh, trying to talk him out of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was kind of weird, um, I thought. But, man, that was a great scene. Um, Worf, Data, Doctor Crusher, and Riker all said that this was their favorite film that they have, that they had made oh, as okay. far as Star Trek. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, the uh, let's talk about the Borg for just a second. Um, go ahead and jump into the Borg because they are the that's, main antagonist. They are my favorite whole, besides Q. Yeah. I don't know if you know who Q is. No idea. Well, yeah, we you watch Stars uh, Star Trek's episode one, Next Generation one and two. I think you'll find out who he is. He's a pretty cool dude. But the Borg are probably my favorite besides Q. Um, but something that was interesting is the Borg. Um, it wasn't just humans on their ship. You, they, they had the Cardassians. They had Klingons. They had the Bolians. You know, they, they had some humans because uh, when they started taking over the ships, uh, the controls, remember yep. Picard's like, hey, you're going to run into some of the people that you used to work next to yep. that are human, that are your federation brother scissors he's like but trust me shoot them help them out do them a favor that's, you know? yeah and you actually actually see that later when uh when a guy's starting to get assimilated he's like help he's me like, he's like help me and then he just straight up like, yeah. <laughs> <shoots> <laughs> I was like, Whoa. The mercy kill there um the board queen um the costume she wore was too tight it was causing blisters on her and the contacts that she wore she could only keep them in four minutes at a time because Ooh, yeah. of the pain yeah and you know that silver paint that they had on her. Oh uh, yeah, man. Well, it's, it's interesting. This isn't the only time that I've myself have heard an issue with contacts in movies. It seems like just throughout film, there's always issues. With we just contact had we lenses. talked about one not too long ago, if I remember right. Um, it's it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't remember what one we talked about where they had to put where the contacts. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it's I, gone right yeah. now. But. Uh, <laughs> 
the Borg Queen was actually created because they couldn't, they were having difficulties coming up with the Borg central computer system. Yeah. You know what I mean, so they created the character of the Borg Queen to be the the, the main one. You the know sort of, I mean, right? of the main high part of the hive mind. Uh, the Borg suits, they were reused for the Star Trek TV show uh, Voyager. Uh, so they re- recycled them. Um, the Borg, you know, their eyepieces. Yeah. Um, they would flat. They flashed Morse code of names of the people uh, uh, that were associated uh, with the movie or whatever. You know, oh, they, they, okay. They, 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 they huh. flash them. That's cool. You know, the actors or whatever. Um, they were the eyepieces of them. They were also made from from Star Wars Tie Fighters from Kenner <laughs> Products. So that's actually the that's Tie funny. Fighter. Yeah, I yeah, thought it was like, hilarious. Uh, yeah, all the all the uh, the Star Wars ships were you know small models, and then they recycled those pieces. Right, that's I funny. think that was funny. Yeah, um, the Borg actors actually lost weight due to the heat on the set in Los Angeles that they had to keep touching up the makeup and the costumes. Oh of the, yeah, and they lost so much weight. You know, what I mean, inside those things, but they looked cool. I mean, oh yeah. But you would think something like that, that, you know, it was in Los Angeles. you think there would be air conditioning or something in there, you know what I mean? A lot of times, no. And it's not just, uh, like, even if it was on an inside, you know, set. Uh, if you've ever been on a movie set, it's a lot of the lighting that adds to the heat. So right. even if you have are in a cooled area, those lights add so much heat. So when you're you have all your set lights that are, you know controlling all the lighting of the, of the scene and stuff and there's just so much heat coming off of those that even if it is cool you're still sweating because those things just get so hot right um man i love the borg i just think they look cool um the ship that uh, wharf was on the uss defiant its sole purpose well the reason it was built was to fight the borg Really? Um, but this is the only time that it actually fights them. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, you see it. <laughs> and it doesn't do so well. And if I remember, now I could be wrong, but I think in the new uh, Star Trek Discovery, the very last episode of season one, you see the Defiant again. Oh, okay. I'm not going to spoil it, um, but let's just say you'll see it again. Um, it may not be in functioning order, but... Uh, <laughs> now, I, uh, so they, in part of the movie, when they're... Um, I believe it's the movie and not the the two episodes. I, I watched it all in sequence, so it's like sometimes they get them mixed up already. But um, when they're flying by and they see all the the blown up ships, uh, and then they name like three or four ships, I was wondering if uh, those had any significance, like in the series. Um. Well, see, you got to remember it's set six years afterwards. Okay. So I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I. I will tell you this, and, we, and I showed you the video, that the Millennium Falcon from Star Wars oh, yeah. is fighting the Borg Cube. I mean, it's in appearance. the background fighting and very, board. yeah, and yeah. I showed Terrence, he's like, what? Yeah, I was like, look, it's the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> he's like, whoa. So you can see it. Uh, if you go on YouTube and just put Millennium Falcon in Star Trek First Contact, you will see it. Yep. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And the guy was trying to play around with different, like creating his own ships and everything. Uh, designs to yeah. like, try to uh, make it make it make right. sense. <laughs> so... Um, and it was um, uh, what was the? Uh, uh, it's because the special effects, uh, industrial industrial light, light and magic, uh, also did stuff and had three D models from doing Star Wars. Right. Uh, the the remastered versions they had all the the three D renders for that, and so they were able to uh, make little fun appearances like that right. into um, uh, this movie. The writers of Star Trek Enterprise in 2001, which was after Voyager, the other series, 
planned to address the backstory of the Borg Queen in its fifth season. However, the series was canceled before that before they got to oh, it. Man. So I was like, wow. Um, when Lily points out the Borg sphere just before the uh, this, these attacks, Cochran thinks she's pointing out the constellation Leo. One of the stars that make up Leo is Wolf 359, which was the site of a massive massacre of Federation ships by the Borg, as mentioned in Season 4, Episode 1, oh, which might be what okay. you're talking about, yep. and the best of was between, and dramatized in the Star Trek Deep Space Nine 1993 pilot emissary. Hmm. So that might be where you were getting your... Uh, yeah. Uh, the program menu in the Holocaust... Or the ho- Holocaust. <laughs> wow. <laughs> My bad. Uh, the Holosuit. You remember where they go to the computer in the Holosuit yeah. and they go... Uh, depicts various holodeck programs from previous episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Specifically, Café des Artistes is from Star Trek The Next Generation Will Always Have Paris in 1988. Charnock's comedy Carabre, or, yeah, Cabaret is from Star Trek The Next Generation The Outrageous Okona in 1988. The Big Goodbye is from Star Trek The Next Generation The Big Goodbye in 1988. Star Trek The Next Generation Manhunt 1989. And Star Trek The Next Generation Clues in 1991. Emerald Walding Pool is from Star Trek The Next Generation Conundrum 1992 and Equestrian Adventure is from Star Trek The Next Generation Pen Pals 1989. So they had all those lists yep, on they the had the whole list of things. <laughs> which I paused and read and I'm like, this means nothing to me. But I guess if I had watched the series... And you still I might not have... even know. I yeah. mean, you probably could put a little bit together. <clears throat> and it's, uh, I thought that was interesting, um, the, the ho- that holodeck scene in general. Uh, so I didn't know about the, the holodeck. <clears throat> Or like, it, well, it, I knew about it, but I didn't know about it because uh, uh, where I used to work back in um, California was this company called Entertainment Earth, and all their offices were named after different rooms uh, on the Enterprise. So one of the one of the meeting rooms was the Hollow Deck. They're like, okay, everybody meet on the Hollow Deck, and we're gonna have a <laughs> meeting there. So that was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and and one of the last things we'll talk about is um, well, two things. Yeah. Uh, one is. Um, the reference where Alfre uh, Lily, she tells Picard that he's acting like Ahab, and he's like Moby Dick, yeah. you know, and and uh, she starts going in there and and you know about how he chased his whole life yep. looking for revenge, um, and that's a pivotal part of this movie, absolutely. And you know he gets mad and he throws that thing and breaks his oh, ships. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you broke your little ships. Yeah, she says, you broke your ships, and then uh, you know he starts thinking about it, he starts quoting, you know, which Moby he quotes Dick, wrong. Yeah. Um, you'll find out. But uh, she's like, I've never even seen it. <laughs> I was like, whoa, right. <laughs> you know. Um, but but you could see the if you if you've ever read Moby Dick or seen the movie, you can yep. tell the comparisons. Oh yeah, to this sure. movie to that right, which I thought was really awesome, really uh, good. Uh, when when she mentioned uh, just the name alone, I was like, ah, right, yeah. Um, and the last thing is the Vulcan who Cochran salutes, uh, according to. Canon is Solcar, which is Spock's grandfather. Oh, okay. So that was pretty cool. So you got to see Spock's grandfather back in, you know, that's the one. 2063 or something. Right. Uh, Yeah. Uh, And then uh, if you remember, Cochran couldn't do the. Yeah, he he can't do the Vulcan. He couldn't do the the, the Vulcan hello. Vulcan greeting, right. Yeah. But that was a that was a direct joke back because Captain Kirk can never do it either. So <laughs> they put that in there. I thought that was pretty that good. That was funny. So um, there you have it. That is Star Trek First Contact. Terrence, um, what do you think of this movie? I thought it was great. Uh, especially, like I said before, prefacing with the two episodes. Having never watched 
anything from uh, any of the uh, original Star Trek series. The only thing I've seen are you know the two new movies. Uh, so this was more or less my introduction into Star Trek, uh, particularly you know in uh, uh, Patrick Stewart's run as Captain as uh, Captain John Luke Picard. Uh, I highly enjoyed it, and this actually is going. This has enabled me to watch. Uh, I'm going to start watching. Generations now and so. all the Trekkies. <laughs> you can hear them screaming across the world. Finally, so, uh, I, I really, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it, uh, especially now because I definitely have more of an appreciation for sci-fi than I did when I was younger. Like I liked sci-fi when I was a kid, but it was more like I just liked flashy ship fights and explosions kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's typical kid stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah. now that I have like an appreciation for uh, like you know more of the details of sci-fi and stuff. Um, watching this now, uh, <clears throat> really enjoyed it. I liked the, the how they went about the story. It was very good writing. Um, the the effects were great, even for '96. Uh, the costuming was amazing, uh, and that that's especially when you get into like you know older sci-fi. That that can always be something that you have to look past. Sometimes is like ah that costuming or like ooh that CGI. But no, this is it. it nothing felt. Uh, Hard to look at. Right, right. Yeah. It, it held up pretty good. It did. Like, uh, you can definitely tell it's older, but it still holds up well. Uh, and, and I think the story captivated you, too. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, th- this whole... And then just to see in just the small span of the two episodes in the movie that I watched, I, I could tell that, you know, Picard was a very level-headed captain. Um, so to see him make that change because he's going against these, you know, uh, these Borg that had captured him and assimilated him and then he broke free of that but now he's uh you know coming against him again and then having that drastic change uh because of this second encounter um i saw the significance in that um i guess i guess we should talk about just for a second before i give my opinion is um a couple things that we left out um data data plays a vital role in this because he he gets captured and that Borg Queen grafts human skin on us. And, yeah. and, you know, and he has this emotion chip that he got in playing. I think it was in Generations, the, the movie before. And, you know, and she the, the, the scene where she just leans down and she oh, blows yeah, yeah. on him and his hair stands up. You know what I mean? He's like, it's my program. He's like, he's like I'm adapting to become more human every day. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, Jean-Luc tells um, Alfred, he's like, I'm not going with you. He's like, you know, these people gave everything their lives for me when... I was one of them. He's like, I'm not leaving anybody behind. And there's still somebody on the ship that I need to save. Yep. And he was going back for, for data. That. And and that is like the climax of the movie. So he knows, you know, he's walking down there and he meets the queen, you know, and they go through all this thing. And um, at this time, they have put in the self-destruct code. You know, they all, yep. all like, like six of them, minutes. yeah, that they're all putting in their stuff. And then, um, you know, he sees data and she's like she's like oh you know picard he's like you wanted me to be the human face or whatever and she's like oh, i've already found somebody probably better than you yeah and uh data's like she's like data deactivate the self-destruction because he's like is this like self-destruct and he's like data no no and he's like data fire the missiles or yep. torpedoes at whatever and he's like data and he's like he's over there begging him data yeah, yeah, no data, data, no, no, no. <laughs> so he goes next thing you know you see the torpedoes fire out and that was a super the, intense moment yeah and and terrence was talking to me he's like you know they shot the things he's like oh no why they go they go jump to warp why they go do it because he was like he's like man but if you know that uh, data he he precisely calculated where it would miss him yep and um you know that's where he realizes the queen realizes oh i didn't get through data you know what i mean yeah uh very good moment of the movie 
And another thing that I, I found, uh, and it, this is just a kind of a nod to just sci-fi in general, but um, when, and it also shows the human aspect of data, and that's because of this whole deceit that he put over the uh, the Borg Queen's eyes, um, and like lying to her through that whole entire deceit. That that's a very human trait. Like androids, uh, by nature, don't lie. So for him to lie shows sort of his um, that he's evolving and more absolutely, human. yeah, he's absolutely more human because lying isn't uh, uh, robots don't lie. Um, so then, you know, him, and that's just in like sort of like uh, sci-fi in general. That's usually a, a base concept uh, for androids, robots. Is uh, you know, sophisticated AIs is uh, they don't lie. Um, so seeing him do that, I thought was a. Uh, and so why a don't cool you why don't you going to tell the audience what happens to the queen? Oh yeah, yeah, she gets melted. And then, yeah, but how? Like, what what do they do? Um, what, what, was that the core? It was remember like a vat what, for a core yeah, remember, that well, yeah. he breaks open. The warp core or whatever. I yeah. Think. But do you remember what he did to her? Remember he snaps her third vertebrae or whatever? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, he picks up her, like, robot skull still connected <laughs> to, like, the robot vertebrae. And then he just snaps the vertebrae. Yeah, the third vertebrae. There's something. Fatality. Achievement <laughs> <laughs> unlocked. Um, so, for me, growing up watching Star Trek, um, man, it's... This movie is one that it came out the year I graduated high school. Okay, I graduated in May of '96. This is taking place in November, so um, I remember going to watch this at the theater. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is it. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. oh, this is fantastic. You know, because back then that you know you didn't have stuff at the tip t- tip of your fingertips to oh yeah automatically download it or be spoiled. You know, you, I mean, you couldn't. Um, that was just towards the beginning of the uh, AOL phase. Of, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> ten minutes then, later, you find it on your some, first web then page. It, then if somebody picks up the phone while you're done, there, <laughs> you're like, oh, we got to start all over. So, um, love it. I love this movie. Um, this is, I would imagine this would be a great movie to see in theater. <sighs> it was. I mean, honestly, uh, I any sci-fi movie is amazing in theater. Right. Uh, it's just a, a the genre that always does so well or always it's a a pleasurable viewing experience to see it on the big screen right um so yeah definitely definitely give this one a watch um i'm not saying that i'm a trekkie i enjoy the star trek's the ones that i watch yeah um i get a little confused sometimes when they start like star trek date Seven seven four nine. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, yeah. Have to like I was look like, up. I need a star chart here because I'm not really <laughs> sure where we're going. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it's definitely a fantastic movie. Um, thank you, Patricia, for recommending this. Um, it was it was probably my favorite Star Trek movie. Yeah, uh, the new ones are fantastic too, though. The I enjoyed ones, the new ones. They're, a lot. they're really good too. Uh, which Chris was Pine just my first ever like thing. I, and that I guy, Nell Spock, movies. that guy plays Spock. Oh, yeah, he's a great actor. Yes, he um, is. First time I saw him was in heroes. Right. He plays one of the main. Antagonists. Right. That was a great show. Too. Uh, and then seeing him as Spock, uh, I was like, Oh yeah, he's going to nail this role. Um, right. Given like, even not ever watching Star Trek, Star Trek is such a huge thing that you still know sort of the character person, the personalities connected with these characters. Um, so even without knowing ever watching anything about it. I already knew that, uh, you know, Spock and Vulcans in general are a very calculated race um, that are, are very uh, like stoic, I guess you could say, um, as in they don't really show 
uh, emotions that right. much uh, at all. Uh, and when they do, it's a very rare occurrence. So, like, you know, Spock showing Kirk. All right, Terrence. Yeah. Star Wars or Star Trek? I'd, I mean, for me, it's still Star I know, Wars. because, you know, yeah. <laughs> right, me too. But, um, but Star Trek, you know, you There's get a those, fun little you, nod, though. You get um, those people that say, oh, I'm a Star Wars person or oh, I'm a Star Trek person. Honestly, what's wrong, what's wrong with being both? Exactly. I was going to say, I enjoy honestly, both. I, sitting down and watching this, knowing I'm going to watch the series, uh, I, I, I definitely say both. Now, as far as how much content there is, uh, there's there's so Star, much. So much more Star Trek. It, it, well, it's more accessible, to be honest. Like, I can go on, like, Hulu or Netflix and watch. I can binge watch all, almost all the, the Star Trek stuff where a lot of Star Wars extended stuff is either not canon uh, or it's in books, or it's coming to Disney Plus, or, or it's coming like, to in Disney November, Plus. like the Mandalorian. Uh, Mandalorian. It's going to be fantastic. Be but <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go ahead and throw in the interview right here with Patricia. Man, we've already hit an hour, so um, this is uh, when I did the interview. This was the first interview I ever did for the podcast. Oh, okay. Um, she was um, getting ready to have her baby. She's had her baby since then, little Eva. Um, Congratulations, right? even though it's late. Related. <laughs> <laughs> we wish we could have got this out before him, but. Um, since this was the first interview I ever did, um, and she is our international listener from Australia, I started asking questions. Our first about, international uh, listener, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, from Australia, um, I started asking questions about Australia. You know, I wanted to know. You know, is there stuff that they do over there that we may, as Americans, not know about? Uh, you know, yeah. um, she got me. You'll hear she pulled a trick on me with the drop bears, <laughs> so I had to get her back in there. Um, but at the beginning of the interview, don't be alarmed because um, as we were setting up and, and I hit record, uh, her little son, Mark, got on there. And he's like two. So we just started taking a conversation. We talked about Batman and how he seen Nana and Papa or Grandpa. You know? yeah. So uh, hang, hang with it. The interview, gets, you know, as adorable as Mark is, we actually do get to Patricia eventually. <laughs> um, and we talk about stuff. We talk about her work and how she takes the stuff to work. And she names off her work friends, uh, shouts them out. And um just a real good time, so take a listen to this. All right, welcome to the Tragedy of Cinema. We got a special guest all the way from Australia. Coming, um, I saw Nana. And that's little Mark. Hi, Mark. Yep. Are you gonna say hello to James? Hi, James. I saw Nana. You, you saw Nana? Yep. Uh oh. Yep. He saw Nana. Hey, I seen you when you got your Thomas the Train and you beat it with a hammer. And Daddy's a hammer, hammer, snowhead. <laughs> you hammered Thomas the train? Yeah, you did, didn't you? You yeah. hammered Thomas the tank engine and the big chocolate. And they told you to take a bite, and you took the big, bigger piece. <laughs> I had... He got his brains from his mother, right? <laughs> I had my granddad last week. You saw granddad last week, didn't you? Hey Mark. I'm so grounded. Hey Mark, is Thomas the train is Thomas the train your favorite? Yes, I so I had so Batman. You like Batman too? <laughs> I like Batman so Batman is I had could I I like Superman. Could... You like Superman? Yeah. You have a Superman t shirt, don't you? Yeah? Okay, off you go. Uh oh. Bye Mark. Bye Mark. <laughs> So that's not really our special guest. Our special guest is actually his mother, Patricia McCauley, McCauley all the way from Australia. How are you doing tonight, Patricia? Well, I guess it's it's about afternoon over there on Sunday or Sunday morning. It's um, 
Yeah, it's mid-morning over here, and I'm doing very well. Thank you. All right. Um, so you've been listening to the podcast pretty much since day one. You share it at work. I, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but first of all, let's uh, find out where exactly in Australia are you at? So I am Sydney, Australia. It's a beautiful Sydney. So is that kind of like when Nemo goes P-152 Sherman or whatever and he goes to Sydney? Did you ever see Finding uh, Nemo? <laughs> oh, no, you probably didn't. Finding didn't. Nemo is almost on a loop in our house. <laughs> I love Finding Nemo. So, yeah, um, no, it's, um, yes, it's a bit like that. So, uh... We're not, not quite Darling Harbour, but, um... Right. Yes. Yeah. I, I thought it was funny the other day when you was like, just look at this, and I was like, what, an outhouse? And you're like, it's a dunny. And I was like, what's a dunny? <laughs> She's like, I don't know. So, yeah, that's another name for it. I was like, yeah, we have those here. We call them portalettes, outlet or outhouses. So, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was. It wasn't so much the um, the the outhouse that I was expecting you to have a look at. I just wanted to introduce you to the word dunny. Yeah, I yeah. I was you'd like, appreciate dunny. that. That one. was pretty. That was pretty pretty cool. So I think we'll talk about a little bit about Australia before we go into some other the other stuff. So you know me. I, I've, I've made a little comments on the podcast and everything. So I wrote down some questions that I want you to tell us something that like Australia is known for that most Americans or other countries do not know that you're famous for or that is only seen over there by you guys. Yeah, so I saw that question completely glazed over it. Um, <laughs> but I would probably go with um, drop bears. Have you ever what? heard of a drop bear? A drop bear? Yeah, drop bear. Is that like a koala bear? It's a lot like a koala. Is it? Koalas aren't actually related to bears. Do you have so a, you know. Do you have a lot of koalas over there? Um, we do, but not in the area I live in. I, I I heard they were starting to become extinct. They they are endangered at the moment. Yes. Oh, that's terrible. Okay, so what's this drop bear? A drop bear. It's a lot like a koala, but um. You have to be really careful because they've got very sharp claws and they'll jump on you from trees. What? And they attack. What? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you've got to be really careful. Have you guys ever been attacked by one? (laughs) I'm totally screwing with you. We don't have drop bears. Oh. Well, uh, we have bears that drop their doo-doo in the woods, you know. If you step on that, you're going to be stinking. So 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 what you say, drop bears is totally made up? Yeah, drop bears are totally made up. Oh, boy, I hope your co-workers have some stuff on you because I'm going to get with them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's so so. is there anything that, you know, that I know you said you, you guys don't have Netflix. You have some sort of Australian streaming service, right? Oh, yeah, we've got Netflix. Okay. Um, Hubby and I just don't subscribe to any of them because we, um, on average, we get to the cinemas about once every three years. Wow. So... So what was, I, what I was the to, last movie you went to see? At the cinema? Yeah. Um, was it something with um, Mark? Did you take him to go see a cartoon or something, Toy Story or something? No, no, we haven't taken Mark to the movies yet. He doesn't have the attention span <laughs> for it. Yeah, he must get that from his mom too. <laughs> yeah, I think he does. <laughs> okay, so uh, here's another common misconception. Are kangaroos everywhere over there? Like, are they at your back door? Are they like dogs? Are they everywhere or just in the select wild, like koala bears or what? Um, so there are wallabies and that around where we are. You don't see them all the time, 
but I'm actually in an area with a little bit of bush around. So, um, yeah, I nearly hit a wallaby the other day, actually, in oh, the car. So you got to keep an eye out. <laughs> okay. So, yes, you and, do see them. And uh, I've also seen some things that the spiders are really, really big over there. Like they're on, like, the whole side of the house. Are they really that big over there? Um, I reckon spiders are on steroids over here. Uh, yeah? Have you ever, yeah. You ever, you, do you have them around your house or anything or no? Of course. <laughs> the of spiders course. are everywhere. Uh, we don't have spiders here in Indiana. They're almost extinct. Oh, I'm kidding. Good, See? Good you don't know. have drop bears. Yeah. We don't have spiders. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, here's a question we everybody wants to know. We don't have spiders when you get the exterminator in. <laughs> right. All right. So, uh, here's another one. Do you guys have Outback Steakhouse over there? Uh, not in my area. No. I mean, do you know what that is? Not a clue. Okay. Outback Steakhouse. I assume it's a restaurant. It's a restaurant here in the States that is famous for their Australian food. It's called Outback Steakhouse. And they have stuff like shrimp on the barbie. You know how I was saying all that stuff? Oh, I don't call it that. (laughs) What am I going to call it? Uh, We call them prawns. Prawns. Okay, yeah. I know what those are. Yeah. Do you like them? Yeah, yeah. The vast, vast majority of people over here call them prawns. Prawns. Okay. So put another prawn on the Barbie. Is that what you say? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Here's another question. Do you guys, how is the movie Crocodile Dundee perceived over there? Do you know what Crocodile Dundee is? Yes, I've seen Crocodile Dundee. Um, I I think the like, I can only speak for myself. And uh, the people that I know that have seen it, but um, it's a good flick. <laughs> you like it though, huh? I, I think, yeah, absolutely. I think Hollywood have taken some some liberties with it, right? Um, but to be fair, it, there's, there's a lot of good stuff in that movie. That's why I wanted to make sure, like, there wasn't, you know, where they take something and spin it so much that the Australian people hate it. You know what I mean? Oh, look, I think I think it's like most movies. If you sit down and, and you look at it with a view for enjoyment, then you're going to enjoy it. Right. There's there are there are things where you sort of scratch your head and go, okay, that might have been a little bit OTT, but <laughs> otherwise, it's all good. The, okay, does uh does Mark have a boomerang? <laughs> no, Mark has a stick. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. If you guys don't know what we're talking about uh, when. Uh, we was talking before uh, saying, you know, she told me this joke like, what do you call a boomerang that doesn't come back? A stick. And I just thought that was the funniest joke in the world. It's hilarious. Um, another <laughs> famous person, um, I guess, from over that way is uh, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. And I love Steve Irwin. Um, does he have any animal sanctuaries or anything over there close to you? Um, yeah, I believe he's got two. He's got one up on the central coast and one up in Queensland, I think. And I'm only only going from memory. Um, and uh, from from what I know, I haven't actually been to them myself, but they're beautiful sanctuaries. And uh, is his family still doing a lot of stuff over there? I've seen uh, his daughter just got engaged on her 21st birthday, but I didn't know if I know yeah. his son's really involved. He comes on like the Tonight Show over here in Hollywood, and I bring some animals and all that. Um, but I didn't know if they were still prominent in the communities over there or anything. Um, they are, and I think Bindi actually just took took a. Um, I can't remember if she took first place in Dancing with the Stars Australia in the last season. So, 
they are active and and uh, they're prominent in the community. Nice. All right, now let's get into your uh, the reason we're doing this interview is because you wanted to pick a topic, uh, a movie, and you chose Star Trek: First Contact. Is there a reason that I did? Is that a reason you chose Star Trek: First Contact? Uh, yes, because I asked you to review a movie I'd actually seen. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I don't know what any of these movies are. And for those of you that don't know, I've known uh, Patricia and her husband, Steve, for, I don't know, two or three years now. We play the same cell phone game. And uh, so I just threw it on this, the, the chat in our guild or whatever. And so she's like, yeah, I'll listen. So then she started listening. She's like, these are a bunch of movies I haven't seen. <laughs> I was like, well, that's why I'm doing this podcast, so you will see. Um, so... <laughs> But as I mean, out of all the movies that you could have chosen, you chose Star Trek First Contact. Does it have a special meaning to you or anything? Um, so I grew up with my uh, dad on the couch watching Star Trek movies, okay. watching the Star Trek series. So um, naturally, when I got asked to pick, pick a genre, uh, Star Trek was up there. Okay. Do you have a uh, Do you have a favorite Star Trek character? Um, I I honestly like. Well, it it depends which which series we're talking about. Um, but I do like Captain okay. Picard. Okay, give me like your top five. If you were going to build your Enterprise crew, and you could choose a captain, a first officer, an engineer, a doctor, who would you take? Oh, that's a rough question. Well, across all of them. Across all of them. Okay, well, you'd have to have Spock as your first officer. Okay, good choice. Are you, are you yeah, still taking yeah. Picard as your captain? Absolutely. Because I love... Let's mix genres here. Right, I love I loved Captain Janeway. Janeway's awesome. <laughs> okay, so we, have, so we have Picard and Spock. So who's going to be your uh, engineer? Um, who would be my engineer? Um... Well, I know you can't go past Scotty. You I don't can't know. go past Scotty. Uh, Belana Torres was pretty good too in, in Voyager. Oh, she absolutely is. There, <laughs> there's look, they're all great in their own way. <laughs> would you Would you take Data or Data? Um, n- no, he wasn't on my top five list. Wow. Oh, who Who would be? He's, who was your favorite Doctor? Um, do you know, <laughs> most of my top top five lists are going to come from the original. <laughs> so you're going to take Bones? I'm going to take Bones. I, I always kind of like the hologram doctor. I always thought he was funny. Or, yes, uh, he, Bashir from he'd Deep be my Space second. Nine. Yeah, no, no, no. He'd be my second pick. Who? The hologram? Yeah, the hologram. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, so here's something we were going to have fun with. I was like, um, you know, I, you told me that, yeah, we, I listened to it at work, and there was somebody that just kept leaning back further and further because other people were talking and because he couldn't hear because they were talking so that I'm assuming that was Julian. Yes, that was Julian. Hi, Julian. Shout out. Shout yeah. out to the guys at work. And girls. <laughs> and girls. Because there's Jessica and Varshini, right? Y- yes. Okay. Is that yes, the only three? Right. Is there anybody else you want to shout out? Um, I, I could list them all, but yeah, I will, uh, let's, let's throw them out here. <laughs> that way when okay, you're, when well, you're, um, by the way, she is about to have her second child. So she could, her water could break while we're doing this interview and she would have to go real quick, but, uh, go ahead. 
Let's hear them. Are these, okay, are, these we'll people that, are these people that actually listen to the podcast or are just people in your office? Um, so some of these guys do listen to the podcast right. and awesome. some of them, some of them are a little bit too far away. So just, <laughs> just for the, just for everybody listening, what I usually do is I take a little speaker into work and I put some music on quietly, but, uh, what I've been doing when there's been a new podcast, I might put the podcast on. <laughs> That's so awesome. Do you, do, do you have told them that they can download it to their own phones while, uh, you're away, right? I have, I have. Or are you going to have to go up there once a week and just make sure that they're doing it? I don't have to go up there. I can just email them all. <laughs> okay, so go ahead, <laughs> go ahead and give me your list of the people. I know Julia and Jessica I, and Varshini. Yep, okay. So I also want to do a shout-out to Belinda, Grace, Nicole, Tara. Hang on, I'm writing um, all these down. Belinda, Grace, oh, you, <laughs> you say Tara? Tara? Yep. Okay. Tara. There was one in there I missed. Nicole? Is that her name? Yes. Okay. Yep. Keep going. And we'll also say hi to Meg, Kieran, and Myla. Meg, Kieran, and Myla? Mm-hmm. Okay. See, these are... And, of course, the lovely lady who will be taking my position at work, Wendy. Wendy. Welcome aboard, Wendy. She deserves a special mention. Oh, yeah. She's she's going to get... She's going to get it. I'll, I'll make sure she gets on the next episode, too. All right, so so we were going to have a little fun with this. Uh, there's a lot more people here than I thought, so let's just go ahead and do this. Um, if you're the captain of your Starship Enterprise, and yes. we'll say Julian, Jessica, and Varshini for sure, because those are the ones I know, where would you place them on the ship and why? Okay, so of those three people, I would have Julian. He would be my first officer. All right. Is there a um, reason? Because he's... Yes, he's calm and level-headed, and he is the voice of reason. So wouldn't he kind of be like um, Deanna Troy? He, 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 I don't think I'd want Julian as my counsellor, <laughs> but absolutely first officer. Okay. Well, hey, Julian, better work on that. All right, so where's Jessica going to be? Jessica would be science linguistics. Science linguistics, look at you. All right. Yep. And Varshini? And Varshini would be my chief engineer. Chief engineer. She must be pretty good then. Does she solve problems yep. pretty good? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do you want to plug any of these other people on your ship? Um, are they oh, just gonna come be, on. Are they just going to be all the red shirts that get sent away on missions <laughs> that don't come back? <laughs> no, no red shirts on my ship. Thank you. <laughs> okay. 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 I just want to make sure. All right. So, um... Let's go ahead and ask, um, if you were stranded on an island, what three movies would you like to have to watch for the rest of your life because you weren't going to get rescued? Okay, so I would pick, um, I would pick a Steven Seagal movie. Which one? I like Under Siege. Oh, that's a good movie. Yep, yep. I'd probably go a chick flick, 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. All right. And I would go, so I've got action adventure, I've got chick flick, and I'd possibly also pick Down Periscope. <laughs> the comedy? Yep. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, before we get too further, 
Did they film any of the Lord of the Rings over there? Do you know? I cannot tell you. I could not tell you off the top of my head. Oh, I no. thought they filmed it in New Zealand. Well, they did, but I just didn't know. I wanted to make sure. Okay. So who? I'd you, have to look into that. So who would you say is your favorite actor and your favorite actress? So my favorite actor would be Patrick Stewart. I loved him as uh, Professor X. Absolutely. Perfect cast. Very versatile actor, I think. Um, and funny to boot. Comedian <laughs> as well. Oh, yeah. What more can you ask for? Did you Did you ever get to see that new trailer coming out? Did you find one that worked? I did find one that worked. What'd and that trailer looked awesome. Oh, yeah. It looks really good. And even yeah, old yeah. Data and 709 are in there. That's right. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to have to subscribe to Netflix or something just so I can watch that. It's, it's only going to be on that CBS All Access. Ah, okay. Like, I'll have to like, find a way to watch that. They've got, they've got Star Trek Discovery on there right now. So uh, I think it's two seasons and it's getting ready to go to its third season. So that was like a whole new TV show they did. But they only put it on that CBS All Access so they can generate income, I guess. But that's where Picard's going to mm. be, too. Ah. All right. So, definitely be looking into that one. So your favorite actress? That one I find harder because, as I said, I don't watch a lot of movies. Um, I love Reese Witherspoon. Do you even know who Reese Witherspoon is? <laughs> you don't, do you? Hey, I'm not from the sticks. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, I, I thought you said the states. I was like, well, I know you're not from the states, but you said sticks, right? Sticks. You're you're from the yeah. bush. <laughs> That's why you said we got bush around us. Um. <laughs> Okay, well, if you think of one, we can come back. I always like Nicole Kidman, too. I thought she does a good job. Okay. Do you like scary movies? I don't like scary movies, actually. One of my earliest memories is um, from watching a scary movie, and don't ask me which one it was. I don't remember, but uh, I couldn't sleep for a week, and (laughs) since then, I've stayed away from scary movies. Was it, do you know if it was like a slasher movie, or was it something different? Uh, I think I think it was like Chucky or something like that, and I was very very little. <laughs> uh, you got you to at least check a couple of them out. Okay, have you ever cried in a movie? All the time. Really? Is that just because you're All pregnant, or did you cry before then? No, I would cry before then. I get very when I do sit down and watch movies, I get very invested in the characters in the movies, and it. And I get very sad when they die. So, so which ones have you cried in recently? Or what would you say is like a, a couple of the real tear, tear jerkers? Like, did you see The Fault in Our Stars? No, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, you might want to stay away from that. I, like, like I, I told, I did warn you. I'm, I'm not very um, widely versed with movies. <laughs> You've been warned. <laughs> uh, but the ones that always get me is the ones like Tom Hanks plays, you know, like Forrest Gump. Or Saving Private Ryan. I just think when yep. they do a war movie, that, that Saving Private Ryan, that opening scene, man, I got choked up in the movie theater just because they say that's exactly really how it happened. You know what I mean? And I, I just think that's crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite TV show? Do you know we don't, we don't turn the TV on much at all either. That's good. But you just told <laughs> me that sorry. you just told me that Finding Nemo was on a running loop at your house. <laughs> 
Yes, well, okay, uh, okay. So we do turn YouTube on fairly often for the toddler on weekends. Um, at which point, Blippy, Bloopy, um, Blippy, Blimpy? haunts my dreams. <laughs> Blippy's voice haunts my dreams, um, and we see a lot of PJ masks, and um, <laughs> we we get some Bob the Train. Is it Bob the Train or Thomas the Train? Well, there's Thomas and there's Bob. Who's Bob? I don't even know who this Bob is. You don't know Bob the Train. Is he part of the Thomas the Train? No, no, he's not part of the Thomas series. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. I'm glad so, my... Bob the Train is educational. Okay, I'm glad my kids are older. I don't have to listen to that because I, I had about enough of that purple dinosaur when they were growing up. Barney or whatever. <laughs> Man, that's terrible. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, I won't keep you. I know you got things to do, and it's well, it's probably right around what lunchtime over there. Yes, it's nearly lunchtime over yeah. here. All right. Well, um, I won't keep you, but thanks for coming on, and maybe we can do it again in the future. I'll, no, I'll see if thanks any, for having me. Yeah, I'll see if anybody has any questions. Um, if they'd like you to come back on about Australia, whatever. We are you part of the Facebook group? Of course, I am. Okay. Well, I've never seen you on there, so I don't know. Uh, so. If anybody has any questions for Patricia and Australia, uh, we can put them on the Facebook group. And if you'd like to see her come back, I think she'd be like a good international reviewer once she actually has time to watch movies. But when she's getting to have another baby, I don't know how much time she'll have at all. <laughs> so, all <laughs> well, right. Well, hopefully, thanks. hopefully there'll be some there. Somewhere. Hopefully there'll be some time after the baby to be able to watch the occasional movie. Uh, I'm, I'm I, might, I I'm, might even be able to catch up on some of the uh, podcasts. I'm, I'm, I'm really doubting it because I think, <laughs> I think your hands are going to be full. <laughs> yes, that's well, right. There's, a, there's hope, always hope, right? Right. Well, we all, we, we all hope that you uh, have a successful delivery and uh, Thank you. recover Thank very you. well and get back on feet. How, how long are you going to be out of work? Um, I'm probably going to take about nine months off. Nine months? Nine months. Wow. Yes. That is awesome. Yep, yep. So so my first child, Marcus, does not sleep. <laughs> he was up um, pretty much like clockwork every three hours, oh. if not more often. And uh, I went back to work a bit earlier than I had anticipated. I went back to work when I was... He was not quite five months old. Wow. Um, so you, think you just need a little bit more time with this one. I, I think I think I'd probably just have a little bit more time with this one. I I did put in the request for a healthy, sleepy one. <laughs> how, how do you think Marcus, Marcus is going to handle being a big brother? You think he's going to be jealous? He's going to be an amazing big brother, and he's going to be very jealous. <laughs> yeah, I, but I can aren't, see aren't it. most older siblings jealous? At least to start with. Oh yeah. Sorry. Mine still carries on this day. I still don't <laughs> like my sister. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not even just to start with. It's just forever. <laughs> right. So, well, I'll tell Steve and Marcus I said, hey, and uh, maybe next time Steve can join in with us. We'll do one of Steve's favorite movies. And I know he wants to yes. spin her, right? <laughs> Ain't that what he said? The other? <laughs> He's like, don't do bitter. It's like the longest movie of all time. <laughs> Well, I won't keep you. I, I, I think Steve's hanging out for a Star Wars review. Oh, hey, that's coming. Um, we were we were trying to wait until we hit like uh, maybe like twenty five or fifty or a hundredth episode because it's going to be so massive. It's going to be broke down, and that's just for the first episode. You know, Star yeah. Wars, the first one, the episode four. 
but that's like my favorite movie and I know all kinds of crazy stuff so hang on for that one yeah and 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 Star Wars is such a massive empire that uh, you need to pay it justice don't you oh oh it will be justice now let me ask you a question are you more of a Star Wars or Star Trek fan oh I'm definitely a Trekkie you're, you're more of a hubby, Trekkie hubby's Star Wars but I'm I'm the Trekkie oh well yeah, we'll definitely have to have your husband on then because we don't want no Trekkies in here when we're talking about Star Wars. <laughs> all right, well, I won't keep you. I know you're busy, and I know Mark is probably hungry. So, But thanks for coming on, and tell all your friends at work, oh, I guess you're done with work. You don't have to go back, do you? I've got uh, two more days this week, and then I will be off. So you're saying I should try to get this recorded before you leave so you can play it at the last day you're there? <laughs> I think the guys at work would love that, all but right. uh, I don't want to put you under that kind of pressure. That's all right. I'll, that's Terrence couldn't be here, so I'll talk to Terrence and see what he says. Maybe we can get that done real quick. We're going to be doing The Godfather on the next recording for Mr. Samuel Farrell, so cool. we'll definitely get that. We'll try to get that done right after that and get it out probably the same day if we can. Yep. All right. Awesome. Well, you take care, and I'll talk at you later. Okay. All right. Later. Bye. All right, so there was the interview with Patricia. Um, like I said, fantastic interview. Even a, She's a great lady. Uh, her whole family's great. Actually, all of our listeners are great, you know what yep. I mean? But, <laughs> but I just love the accents, you know what I mean? Yeah, the, the, the Australian accent, you know what I mean? They just, I love it. Love them. So um, thanks, Patricia. Um, if you have a pick you would like us to do, I know like Lori's uh, and my sister are harping on Titanic um we'll get there we're getting there uh, <laughs> that'll be one <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think there'll be any room on the door for us jack <laughs> right so um we're, we're working our way through um i know um i think patrick wants us to do indiana jones oh so yeah. that'll be another one that i want patrick to be before he lives right up the road so yeah uh, well i'll say up the road but down down the street 40 minutes whatever um kyle Same still thing. wants to come back on i got a guy named joe uh that i work with that wants to do the terminator yep uh, so we've got a lot of stuff coming. Um, we're trying to do more and more content now that Terrence is finally back in full swing, uh, feeling better. Like he looks better, um, like death warmed over. But uh, <laughs> we're back. So if you want to leave us a review um, on iTunes, um, that is uh, just search the Tragedy of Cinema on iTunes. Yep. This five star review, um, and we will read it on the air. That um, helps us get more exposure, thus us, you know, creating more content and. Hopefully grabbing some more Patreon, which we do have a Patreon. So uh, we Tragedy do. of Cinema uh, at Patreon. Um, and we might be throwing something else out there here in a little bit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's, we're, we're throwing around <laughs> something. Um, but we did, we have settled on our first watch along for the Patreons on the special secret. There is a Facebook group for us called the Tragedy of Cinema Podcast Group if you want to join. Also, we have a special Facebook group for the group. super secret double Patreon. You know uh, those that are in there. Um, we are getting, we are uh, have discovered what our first watch along is going to be, and the people have voted and they decided on Die Hard. So I just watched that movie the other day. I'm getting ready to watch it with Terrence here in a little bit. Maybe today. Maybe sometime this week for sure. And you're going to hear us talk about Die Hard with no sound. So we're going to tell you hit play on your DVD player and away we go. Um, so you can join Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Um, we know we want to put a lot more out there for Patreon than yeah. what we have. So, um, And I'm still trying to work through some of the um, logistics of that. Yeah. So um, if you want to send us an email, if you have a question, like uh, you sent to the tragedy cinema at gmail.com, you can hit me up on Facebook Messenger, um, like we did last episode or the episode before about the green screen from Shane McGill. 
Um, so just thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for Patricia for this episode. It was fun. Terrence, actually, you introduced Terrence to Star Trek. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So now <laughs> he's got. Just, now he's got. Only got like. Glasses. I have a start because uh, we were talking about this before we started uh, recording, and that's um, it's always something that I've been meaning to get into. Uh, that being Star Trek, but it's there's so much and it's so daunting that I never knew where to start. Uh, and just because I really enjoyed the two episodes I watched in the movie, um, I'm going to go ahead and start with Generations uh, and then give that a watch. Through next, the generation. next Generation. Yeah. <laughs> next Generation. Right. So, yeah. And then you'll pro- a lot of people like uh, Deep Space Nine, which is the one right after that. Because, yeah. you know, like Worf and some other people like uh, Chief O'Brien and stuff are over there. Okay. From so who's the captain on uh, Deep, the Space Deep Space Nine? Nine. It is actually, Deep Space Nine is actually a central... Um, space station that is guarding a wormhole that time travels through. Oh, okay. Or not time travel, not time travels, but warp, 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 warp okay, right, yeah, yeah. to a different, uh, like, Delta Quadrant or whatever. Gotcha. Um, and then Voyager, which came after that, was my favorite, where it has the female captain, gotcha. uh, Captain Janeway. So, all right, well, thanks for listening. I think we're going to go ahead and close this one down, and uh, that's a wrap. And, and cut. cut.